Hebrews 11 in your Bibles and on the back of the bulletin we mailed out is the outline there for you and you're welcome to uh, fill that out uh, as we go along this evening. And uh, tonight we'll be looking at the life of Jacob who would have his name changed to Israel. And uh, if you go look with me at verse number 20 of Hebrews chapter 11, we find the Bible says, By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. Concerning things to come, verse 21, by faith Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff, leaning upon the top of his staff. We're going uh, verse by verse through the book of Hebrews, and we're taking a while to get through Hebrews chapter 11, and we're looking at these different individuals, and we're seeing their faith journey. We're seeing how they uh, spent a life learning to walk by faith. And uh, one of the things we're taking away from the lives of Isaac and Jacob is that faith is not just a destination that's easy to get to. Faith is a lifelong journey. And no matter how old you are, no matter how long you've been saved, uh, you don't wake up one day and, uh, and, and have your faith tank filled. Uh, faith is built through experiences. Faith is built... Uh, one uh, one life lesson at a time, and uh, faith is not even uh, just one-dimensional. There are all kinds of levels and in, in, in dimensions of faith. Uh, there's faith when it comes to finances. There's faith when it comes to relationships. There's faith when it comes to work. Uh, there's faith when it comes to family. And uh, the list goes on and on and on. And the truth is we must learn to walk by faith. We must learn to live a life of faith, And I tell you, when you get into a situation like what the world is going through right now with this virus, this pandemic, boy, it separates the men from the boys, the, the women from the girls. It helps you to know where you are. are. Am I being driven by fear or am I being led by faith? How strong is my faith in the Lord? And so uh, the life of Isaac and Jacob, we get to the end of the life of both men and we see that they blessed their children. They prayed a, a prayer of blessing. They called down God onto their children and asked God to bless their children. And we focused on Isaac last week. We're going to focus on Jacob this week. Let's pray together. Lord, would you help us to understand the truth? And then, Lord, would you help us to uh, maybe see our own selves a little bit in the life of Jacob this evening? Help us to see where we're, you're trying to grow us and challenge us uh, to make us better. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Verse 21 again says, By faith Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. And so last week we looked at point one, Isaac's faith journey. Isaac's faith journey. And we saw Isaac's salvation. Now we don't know the very moment that Isaac got saved. The Bible does not tell us that, but we do know that he was a man of faith. And we saw in Genesis 22 where he was laid down on the altar uh, to be sacrificed. And he was a picture, an Old Testament picture of Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, I don't know that I've ever had this thought until right now, but I wonder if Isaac, uh, while he was in uh, uh, Abraham's bosom, if he had any idea of Jesus dying, or maybe when he finally made it into heaven and he, he knew the story of where Jesus died and how he died, if Isaac didn't step back and go, oh, that's why. Aha! I get it now. Now I understand why God had my father do that. Made no sense at the time. But Abraham 
blind faith, uh, Isaac, blind faith, Isaac climbs up on the altar and Abraham is willing to follow through his salvation. Then we looked at his spouse. We see that here he did not choose a woman of the heathen women around him. Instead, he let his father at age 40, he let his father send a servant uh, to uh, a land where people would be uh, that uh, would be more in line with their belief system. And we see that Rebecca is brought back and Isaac marries Rebecca. He trusts his father he trusts his God to pick his spouse. And then we looked at his seed. We saw that for 20 years he could not have a child. 20 years he was barren at age 40. He cries out to the Lord at age 60. The Lord gives him and his wife twins. And one of those twins' name was Jacob. The other one was Esau. And so we looked at point one, Isaac's faith journey. For sake of alliteration, we're going to go with Jacob's changed name, point two, Israel's faith journey. Israel's faith journey. And so let's jump all the way first uh, to the end of the story here. And let's see Jacob at the very end, right before his death. Turn over to Genesis chapter 48. And we saw in Hebrews 11 that he was praised for praying a blessing over the children of Joseph. Now, we, uh, if you're watching tonight, most likely you know the story of Joseph, how he was sold into slavery by his brothers, and uh, he uh, would go from the pit uh, to Potiphar, what right, to prison, to the palace. And we see the journey there and um, uh, that, that he had to go on. And as he made it to the palace, he became second in command. And then what did he do? He brought uh, his family to Egypt. And this is how the Israelites became enslaved in Egypt is they made it there because they were brought there as a respite, as a resting place, uh, as a reprieve from the starvation they were experiencing in their own homeland. And so uh, all of the children are now living there and Jacob is uh, Jacob or Israel is getting older. He's uh, uh, approaching death. And so he calls Joseph's two children in in Genesis 48 and he prays a blessing over them. Hebrews 11 thought of, uh, thought enough of this action to include it in the hall of faith, I feel as though we should read this story tonight. Look at verse 8. We're going to read down through verse number 20. Please follow along with us. The Bible says Judah, um, uh, I'm sorry, I'm in 49. Let me, uh, let me go back a chapter here. Chapter 48 and verse 8. It says, In Israel, uh, behold Joseph's sons, behold Joseph's sons, and said, who are these? And, and Joseph said unto his father, they are my sons. Now, by the way, if you read up a couple of verses earlier, the reason why he's asking is because he's going blind at this point. And no, no doubt it was a genetical thing. His father also suffered with blindness at the end of life. And so he's asking Joseph, who are these? And he has to be told because he cannot see. Uh, again, verse 9. And Joseph said unto his father, these are my sons whom God hath given me in this place. And he said, bring them, I pray thee unto me, and I will bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim for age, so that he could not see. And he brought them near unto him, and he kissed them, and embraced them. And Israel said unto Joseph, I had not thought to see thy face, and lo, God hath showed me also thy seed. And Joseph brought them out uh, from uh, between uh, his knees, and he bowed himself with his face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand, toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh in his left hand, toward Israel's right hand, and brought them near unto him. And Israel stretched out his right hand, and laid it upon 
Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand upon Manasseh's head, guiding his hands wittingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed uh, Joseph and said, God, uh, before whom my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, did walk, the God which fed me all my life long unto this day, the angels which redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads and let my name be named on them and the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. And when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand upon the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. And he held up his, his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head uh, unto Manasseh's head. And Joseph said unto his father, Not so, my father, for this is the firstborn. Put thy right hand upon his head. And his father refused and said, I know it, my son, I know it. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great. But truly his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his seed shall become a multitude of nations. And he blessed them that day, saying, In thee shall Israel bless, saying, God make thee as Ephraim and as Manasseh. And he set Ephraim before Manasseh. He set Ephraim before Manasseh. So Joseph is is trying to help his blind father put his right hand on the older son and his left hand on the younger son to pray the greater blessing on the older. And uh, the father crosses his arms and goes against Joseph's wishes. And when Joseph tries to fix his father's hand position, Jacob or Israel rather says, no, 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 this is the way I want it. The younger the younger shall be greater. Now, why did he want the younger to be greater? Now, the Bible doesn't tell us that God wanted Jacob to do that, but I believe Jacob wanted to do that because Jacob was the younger and Jacob uh, uh, wanted the blessing as well. Isaac's faith journey. Here we see uh, I, or rather Israel at the very end. Here we see Israel at the very end. And what do we see? We see a man who is Great faith. A man who loves God deeply. A man who cares for God greatly. But can I tell you, there was a time where Jacob, before his name was changed to Israel, where Jacob had no relationship with God. And God had to take him on a journey where he would learn not to trust himself, but learn to trust the Lord. Let me uh, take you through that journey this evening. Notice letter A, speaking of Israel or Jacob. Notice his character. His character. Go back with me to Genesis chapter 25. And we'll notice um, uh, below his character, we'll notice he was smooth. He was smooth. Look at verse number 27. And Laban said unto him, I pray thee. Uh, I'm in chapter 30. Excuse me. Chapter 25. I'm having all kinds of miscues this evening. So the Idaho, Iowa thing got me all thrown off. So it's human nature to blame someone else for your own uh, errors. Genesis 25, look at verse 27. And the boys grew, uh, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. And Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field and he was faint. So what do we get here? Jacob and Esau are born. We know they wrestled in the womb. We know that when Esau was born as a, uh, the older twin, Jacob was right behind him at his hand, locked on his heel. 
and didn't even want to let go of his heel. And there was this, there was this bro, uh, uh, sibling rivalry, this brother fighting going on in their life. And Esau was, 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 uh, was the uh, strength of the family. Jacob was the smart man of the family. And I have to tell you, I get why Isaac preferred Esau over Jacob because Esau was a man's man. Esau was a hunter. Esau was out in the field hunting for his next meal. Esau was tough. Esau was gruff. Esau was uh, uh, the embodiment of Outdoor Life magazine. Whereas Jacob was an inside boy. Jacob loved to be indoors. Jacob loved uh, uh, to cook. Jacob was smooth. I remember when I was a young man, uh, I loved to be outside. I lived in Mississippi from age 3 to 13. And a good chunk of that time, we lived on a dead-end road. And uh, we uh, we would, we were outside on bicycles all day, every day that we could be. It would be 100 degrees outside. And we'd be outside either playing basketball in the driveway or riding our bicycles up and down the road. We built ramps and, 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 and hit those in the middle of the, uh, of the road and sometimes fell off and scraped our knees and ended up in the bathtub getting glass dug out of our knees. That was my brother Tim. Uh, But uh, we had a great time. And boy, um, my arms are still darker than the rest of me. I have a permanent farmer's tan from all of the time I spent outside in that era of my life. But we had a boy that lived at the end of the dead-end road. I don't know his last name, but uh, his first name was Chris. And this is back when we were just dealing with the Nintendo, the original Nintendo. You know, the one where you had a blow in the cartridge and uh, uh, pixelated and, and, and not really that much fun. And then, you know, Super Nintendo came out and Sega Genesis came out a little bit later. But it didn't matter. Chris was an indoor boy. And I can remember going over to his house, playing video games with him, trying to get him to come outside and play with us. And he had these sores on his arm. And I asked my mom, I said, what are these sores on Chris's arm? And she said, that's because he doesn't get enough sunlight. He doesn't go outside enough. He just hangs out indoors all the time. And 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 he was not an outdoor guy at all. And uh, Esau was outdoor. Esau was rough and gruff. Uh, 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 Isaac, or, or rather Israel, or Jacob, Jacob was an indoor guy. And he was more soft and probably would be labeled more effeminate. Now, if I'm God and I'm choosing which one I'm going to use greatly, greatly, I'm not going to pick the indoor softy. I'm not going to pick the smooth one. But we know that God's ways are not our way. He was smooth. Not only was he smooth, he was subtle. He was subtle. Verse number 30. Look at Genesis chapter 25 and verse number 30. And Esau said to Jacob, so uh, to back up the story a little bit, Esau's been out hunting, Esau comes in, he hasn't eaten in a while, I don't know if he's missed one meal, two meals, Three meals, three days. I don't know how long it's been since he's eaten, but he's been out doing physical labor. Clearly, he didn't catch anything or he would have had his own food to cook and eat. He's hungry. He comes into the tent and Jacob is cooking chili. Look at verse 30. And Esau said to Jacob, feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage. For I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom or red. And Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die. And what profit shall the birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Now, uh, we could focus in on Esau's foolishness here, but that's we're, we're not going to study Esau tonight. I have a sermon planned down the road where we're going to look 
at uh, the foolishness of Esau's decision here. The, I want to make a different point this evening. Look at the craftiness. Look at the subtlety. Look at the trickster Jacob. He sees an opportunity. His brother comes in hungry and he says, this is a chance for me to wrestle away the birthright. Well, what was the birthright? Well, back in this culture, back in this time, the eldest received a double portion of inheritance of all the other children. And so if there were two children, the son, the older would receive twice as much as the younger or twice as much as would be divided out amongst the other brethren. And so this was a materialistic gain, but uh, it was something he wanted right away. He was the younger, but he wanted to be treated as the older. And so his brother comes in hungry and he says, I'll give you a bowl of this chili that I made, but you must give me your birthright. And he got his brother to agree to it. He found his brother in a moment of weakness, and being opportunistic, he exploited that weakness. He was subtle. His name, Jacob, means surplanter. It means trickster. Uh, uh, notice next about, uh, jo- uh, about uh, Jacob's character. Notice he stole. He stole. It's one thing to take advantage of someone in a weak moment. Uh, all the same, boy, Esau agreed to that. You could argue that uh, Jacob was not ethical in that action, but all the same, Esau agreed to it. What Jacob did next was not tricking, it was flat out stealing. It wasn't being subtle, it was thievery. Look at Genesis chapter 27 and look at verse number 18. And at this point, I don't believe Jacob or Esau to be saved men. I don't believe them to be man of fa- men of faith. And I'll show you why uh, here as we go through. The backstory here is that Israel, or rather Isaac, is getting ready to die. And as was the custom, right before the death, you would call in your oldest child and you would lay your hands on them over a meal and you would pray a blessing on them. Just like Abraham did to Isaac, Isaac would do to uh, his, attempt to do to his eldest son and then, uh, uh, and then Jacob would end up doing laying hands on and praying over the next generation also. And so it was the custom to pray over your oldest son. And so he calls his favorite son Esau into the room and he says, go out into the field, kill a deer, uh, uh, bring that in, prepare that venison meat for me the way, exactly the way you know I like to eat it. I will eat that meal till my heart's content. I will lay my hands on you and bless you. Well, what happened was Rebecca overheard this conversation. And so out the door uh, goes um, uh, out the door goes Esau to get that deer to go deer hunting and uh, she says to Jacob Jacob go and get a goat and bring that in here and I'm going to prepare that same gamey type meat exactly the way your father likes it and I'm going to deceive your blind father into blessing you over your brother and uh, he goes along with his mother's Plan. He goes along with his mother's plan. Look at me. Look, look with me at verse number eighteen. It says here, and he came. This is Jacob. He came into his father. Genesis twenty-seven eighteen. He came into his father and said, "My father." And he said, "Here am I. Who art thou, my son?" Look at the lying that goes on. And Jacob said unto his father, "I am Esau, thy firstborn. I have done according as thou badest me. Arise, I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison, that thy soul may bless me." And Isaac said unto his son. Who is it that thou hast, uh, how is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? And look here, he said, because the Lord thy God, not the Lord our God, the Lord thy God brought it to me. Now here he's impersonating Esau, 
And so this is a, uh, this would indicate that Esau had not uh, embraced his father's faith. Look at verse 21. And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, uh, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. This here is crazy how hairy Esau was. And Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. Earlier in the chapter, Rebekah takes animal skin and tapes them down to his arms. And so he's rubbing an animal skin, and he is convinced that it's Esau. That's how hairy uh, that Esau uh, was, and Jacob was pretending uh, to be. Let's see. Uh, and uh, verse uh, 23, and he discerned him not because his hands were hairy as his brothers Esau's hands. So he blessed him. And he said, art thou my very son Esau? And he said, I am. And he said, bring it near to me and I will eat of my son's venison that my soul may bless thee. And he brought it near to him and he did eat and he brought him wine and he drank. And his father Isaac uh, said unto him, come near now and kiss me, my son. Now here he has lied about his who he is. He has deceived his father uh, so that he can receive the blessing. He's already wiggled away the birthright. Now he's going to flat out rob his brother of this blessing. Look at verse 27. And he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his garment, and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field which the Lord hath blessed. Therefore God gave thee of the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of corn and wine. Let people serve thee and nations bow down to thee and uh, be Lord over thy brethren and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be everyone that curseth thee and blessed be uh, uh, that uh, blesseth thee. Um, And so what happened here? What happened here? He came in and he stole the blessing. He was a thief. What kind of character did uh, did this at the end of his life, this godly man Israel have? Well, he didn't get started out so well. Notice he was smooth. He was subtle. He stole. Next notice he caused strife. He caused strife. Genesis chapter 27. Look with me at verse 41 down through verse 45. The Bible says, And Esau hated Jacob. Well, can you blame him? Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The day of mourning for my father are at hand. Then will I slay my brother Jacob. And these words of Esau, her elder son, were told to Rebekah. And she sent and called Jacob her younger son and said unto him, Behold, thy brother Esau, as touching thee, doth comfort himself, purposing to kill thee. Well, this is partly your doing, Rebekah. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice and arise. Flee thou to Laban, my brother in Haran, and tarry with him a few days until thy brother's fury turn away. What happened here? What happened here? He caused strife. He caused strife. He was selfish. And in that selfishness, he hurt his brother. In that selfishness, he divided his family. In that selfishness, he would not be there when his, his father passed away. Jacob's, or rather, yes, Jacob's character uh, was low. Jacob's character was awful. And God was going to need to do some things to bring him around to make him a man of faith. 
You may be listening in this evening and you may be just as much of a knucklehead as Jacob was. Can I tell you that if God can take Jacob, who is an unconventional male in his behavior, uh, 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 not the outdoors uh, men type guy, and, and he was a, a conniving thief, uh, he was subtle, he caused strife. If God can take and turn him around, then my friend, God can take and turn you around. Let me also say here that you may have grown up in a home where you have a mom and dad who love the Lord. Again, I said this last week, I'll say it again. Just because your parents have had faith, you must choose this faith on your own. Boy, Jacob had parents who loved the Lord. But Jacob was well into his adult years before he would embrace the Lord and make him his. Let's continue down uh, Israel's faith journey here. Notice letter B, his conditions. His conditions. When I say conditions, he put conditions on God. He said, God, if you'll do this, then I will make you my God. Well, he leaves his family. He's on his way to his uncle Laban's house. And en route, he stops to camp out in the middle of the night. He ends up naming the place where he would camp out Bethel. Because while laying there on a rock as a pillow, the Lord sends down a ladder from heaven in a vision. And angels come to and from him. And he wakes up. Look with me, if you would, at Genesis 28. And look with me at verse number 16. The Bible says, And Jacob awaked out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew him not. And he was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it and called the name of the place Bethel. Now, by the way, that word Beth in that language means house and El is the name of God. So house of God. He called the name of the place house of God. Uh, but the name of the city uh, was called Loose at the first day. Look at verse 20. Look at verse 20. Notice the conditions he puts on God here. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, if, if, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then, then shall the Lord be my God. Boy, we see here that he had not even he we know Esau had not embraced uh, uh, Isaac's God to be his God. But we see here that Jacob now is putting conditions on God. If you will do these things for me, then I will let you be my God. Verse 22. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give uh, the tenth unto thee. And so he is committing to tithe if God will keep him, if God will protect him, his conditions. You know, I've seen with a lot of people, uh, they will say to God, God, I will serve you if you get me out of this hospital bed. God, I will serve you if you help me out of this difficult situation. God, if you will uh, bail me out of this tight financial spot, Lord, I will give to the church. I will give to the Lord all the rest of my life. I will not miss. I will be faithful. Lord, if you'll help me through this relational struggle, then Lord, I will walk with you like never before. And we put conditions on God. And my friend, we've got the cart before the horse. God does not want us to put expectations on Him. No, listen, we must come to Him by faith. And as we walk by faith, then He gives to us. 
So we see here that that Jacob just has it all backwards. And the Lord is going to have to take him through a time of correction. Letter A, we saw his character. Letter B, his conditions. Letter C, notice his correction. His correction. Well, there's one thing for sure. Is that um, if you mistreat people in time, people will mistreat you. Um, you, you reap what you sow. Have you heard that? Have you heard that? If you are ugly, nasty, and unkind to people, God will eventually send people into your life that will be ugly, nasty, and unkind to you. And there is always somebody out there that is better at playing your game than you are. You will eventually meet your match. And such was the case with trickster Jacob. Boy, Jacob arrives back at his mom's brother's house. And his name was Laban, Uncle Laban. And he arrives, and Laban has two daughters. One is named Leah, and the other one's name is Rachel. And uh, common names today, Leah and Rachel. And uh, the Bible tells us, we'll read the passage in a minute, but the Bible tells us that Leah had a lazy eye or something wrong with her eye that disfigured her appearance. But Rachel was, at least in Jacob's opinion, drop-dead gorgeous. And uh, he quickly fell in love with the emotions of Rachel and the personality of Rachel and especially the physical appearance of Rachel. He fell head over heels in love with Rachel and he wanted to marry Rachel. But Laban, his uh, future father-in-law, his uncle at the time, boy, he... He, he had an idea of how to pull one over on the trickster, how to trick the trickster. And so we see here how that happened. Look with me, if you will, at verse number 15 of Genesis chapter 29. It says there, And Laban said unto Jacob, Behold, thou art my brother, shouldest thou therefore serve me for naught? Tell me, what shall thy wages be? And Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah. And the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. And Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. And Laban said, It is better that I give her to thee than that I should uh, give her to another man. Abide with me. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel. Now, by the way, Laban was a cattle farmer, probably an agricultural farmer as well. And so he's going in the fields to work as a farmer to earn this. So, uh, again, back in verse 19, uh, rather verse 20, And Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had to her. Oh, oh, how sweet. Uh, those seven years just were just... You know, angels were singing in his head and he was floating through the clouds, working in those fields for seven years because that courtship with Rachel was just so sweet. And the time just flew by. Look at verse 21. And Jacob said unto Laban, this is graphic language, give me my wife uh, for my days are fulfilled that I may go in unto her. Boy, I would never talk to a future father-in-law that way. Verse 22, And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast, and it came to pass in the evening, this is hilarious, that he took Leah his daughter and brought her to him, and he went in unto her. And Laban gave unto his daughter Leah Zilpah his hand, uh, his maid for a handmaid. And it came to pass that in the morning, behold, it was Leah. 
And he said to Laban, What is this that thou hast done unto me? Do not I, did not I serve thee for Rachel? Wherefore then hast thou beguiled me? And Laban said, It must not be so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week, and we, we will give uh, thee this also for the service which thou shalt serve with me yet seven other years. And Jacob did so, uh, and, and, and fulfilled, uh, her week. And he gave him Rachel, the daughter, his daughter to, to wife also. And Laban gave to Rachel his daughter, Bilhah, uh, uh, his handmaid, to be her maid. And he went in, uh, also under Rachel. And he loved also Rachel more than Leah and served with him yet seven other years. And so what happens here is that, uh, Jacob mistreats Esau. Rebecca says, his mother says, hey, you need to get out of here, go to my uncle's house, and, and he'll uh, just stay there for a few days until your brother calms down, and then you can come home. He gets there, he falls in love with Rachel, and his uncle says, hey, you know what, if you'll work for me uh, for seven years, then you can marry Rachel. And so he falls in love with Rachel, he stays there seven years, he's such a good worker that dad thinks, boy, I can really kind of kill two birds with uh, one stone here. I can marry off Leah, who no one wants because she's ugly, and I can get him to stick around for a whole nother seven years. And by the way, I'm not calling her ugly. The Scripture says she was fair-eyed, so take it up with the Scripture. Don't take it out on me. These guys in the auditorium are like, I can't believe you said that. Nobody's what the Scripture says. I'm just preaching the book. Amen? And so uh, what happens is he they have a, a nighttime wedding ceremony, and she's wearing a thick veil. Obviously, they were about the same height. He takes her into the tent. They have a honeymoon night in the tent. When the sun Sunlight comes over up the, uh, over the horizon the next morning. He rolls over in bed and he sees that it's Leah. And I think this blood hurtling scream must have been heard all over the camp. I can't believe I married Leah. What is this? And so the trickster has been tricked. And Laban says, I, "What? Sorry, man. I, you know what? I had to give the older daughter first. I guess we'll just have to marry both of my daughters." And so he ends up with Rachel also. But he has to give up seven more years of his life there. You see, when you sow seeds, eventually that harvest comes in. When you're rude, when you're unkind, when you're nasty, when you mistreat people, when you take advantage of people, when you walk all over people, boy, God has a way of correcting us. You will eventually meet someone who will outdo your sin. And will hurt you. His correction. His correction. Boy, we see that he wouldn't totally learn his lesson here. As he would take some of the cattle and he would uh, mess up their drinking water. And he would end up uh, in an agree- a, a parting agreement after many years of serving Laban. He would end up leaving but stealing from Laban even more cattle than he should have. And so in the end, he tried to get back even with his father-in-law, his correction. You say, well, pastor, this, none of this paints Jacob in a very good light. Now, I just want to remind you, Jacob's name, and we'll see in a moment here, was changed to Israel, and we still use his name hundreds and thousands of times collectively every day, millions of times daily. There's a nation named after this man that's still around today. So what happened? What was the breaking point? Boy, we see that God was using Laban to work him down, to whittle him down, to get him to be who God wanted him to be. Let's finish up the Bible study here. Notice letter D, his conversion. His conversion. Look with me at Genesis chapter 32. He's 
left Laban. He's heading home. And he's on his way to see his brother Esau. And he's fearful of what will happen when he sees Esau. He doesn't know if Esau is going to kill him or not. Boy, he's already had many, many children by this point. He's even gone in and had children by the handmaidens. And listen, um, it, that by the way, let me just say this here. God has always been for monogamy. He's always been for one man and one woman for life. That's always been God's plan. In the Old Testament, uh, there were... Uh, there was polygamy going on, and, and there were men married to multiple women. We see this with King David and King Solomon, and here with, with Jacob having four wives, uh, in essence, or two wives and, and having babies with their other two handmaids. And you say, well, was God okay with that? I don't believe God was okay with that. But uh, listen, before we go pointing down at their sin, please understand that uh, these were cultural things, and I'm not excusing it, but our culture has also enabled us to commit sins that they would be shocked at if they were looking at today. So be careful with that. But he had multiple children, and so he staggers them. On his way to see Esau, he puts uh, handmaid number one and her children first. Handmaid number two and their children second. And then he puts Leah and her children third. And he holds Rachel toward the back with her children last. And then he hides behind four women. And he has soldiers stationed with each one in case there's a war that is going to ensue there uh, with Esau. And he is trembling in fear over what his brother might do. He sends gifts out ahead. And in this moment, in this moment of crisis where his uncle has worn him down and he has wrestled with who he is and who he wants God to be, boy, the Lord reached down and got hold of his heart. Look at Genesis 32. And look at verse 24. And Jacob was left alone. By the way, oftentimes that's where God gets us when we're alone. Boy, when we get away from the crowd. And the Lord can work on us one-on-one. When Jacob was alone, Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint. As he wrestled with him and he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel for a prince. Hast thou power with God and with men uh, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray thee. Thy name, And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask uh, my name? And he blessed him there. He blessed him there. Let's read down through verse 32 here. Um, uh, let's see. And Jacob called the name of the place uh, Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And as he passed over a, a, a Penuel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. Therefore, the children of Israel eat not of the sinew which shrank, which is upon the hollow of the thigh unto this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh and the sinew that shrank. What happened to Jacob? Jacob is there alone. He's fearful. He turns to God in his moment of crisis. He turns to God after the, after the Lord has sent corrective measures his way. And God comes down in the form of an angel. I believe this is an Old Testament appearance of Christ. And Jesus wrestles in the dirt 
with Jacob all night long. Now, I was a college student once, and uh, I wrestled in the dorms with guys. We'd get into wrestling matches. Uh, sometimes on Friday evenings, we'd go to the laundry room and put on boxing gloves and have boxing matches. And uh, that was a blast. I didn't get into any of the boxing matches, but I had fun watching and, and cheering on and, and, and smack talking. And uh, we, we would do a lot of that. Occasionally, I would get into a tussle with a, a guy in the dorms. Can I tell you, if you've ever wrestled, two or three minutes of wrestling will wear you flat out. This wasn't two or three minutes of wrestling. And this wasn't just any opponent. Jacob grabbed hold of, of, of Christ and wrestled with him all night long. All night long. Can I tell you what Jacob was doing? He was wrestling not with God. He was wrestling with himself. He was wrestling over who he was. He was wrestling over his, his conniving ways. He was wrestling over his sin. He was wrestling with God over his own unrighteousness, over his own past, over his own lack of faith, over his own self-dependence. And Laban had gotten over on him. And now he's looking at God and he's saying, God, I'm tired of you just being the God of my Father. I want you to be my God. And at the end of the night, he said, I'm not letting go of you, God, until you bless me. And the Lord reaches down and touches the hollow of his thigh to physically injure him. And God was saying to him, Jacob, I'm stronger than you. Jacob, you need to rely on me, not yourself. Jacob, every time you take a step for the rest of your life, you'll limp. Why? To remind you, I am to be your strength. To remind you, you are to rely on me. By the way, your name will no longer be Jacob. It will be Israel. You will be the father of a nation that I will love. Boy, he laid his hands down and he blessed Joseph's children. We'll talk about Joseph next, uh, in the weeks to come. Pastor Brown is going to be uh, bringing the Bible study next week. But in the weeks to come, we'll look at, at Joseph. How did he get there? Boy, he didn't start out making God his God. Boy, he took the long road. Don't take the long road. Humble your heart and just trust God. He has your best interest in mind. Make him your God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you for this Bible study. Help us, Lord. Help us to be those who walk by faith, not by sight. Help us to understand that without faith, it is impossible to please you. Help us, Lord, to be people who set aside our own self-faith and walk by a faith in you. Help us to be people of prayer. Help us to be instant in prayer, as we're told in Hebrews, or rather in Romans. And Lord, help us to cling to you. We sure do love you, Lord. Help us to love you more. In Jesus' name, amen.